Hey, church friends, we would like to take a moment to thank you for listening to the show. We really do appreciate every single one of you. And really, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, if you just want to share your thoughts or what your favorite topic was that we covered, please, please feel free to email us at yourchurchfriends at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Chris will read that email and let me know what it says. <laughs> also, if you enjoyed the show, please do the following to help us out. Follow or subscribe to whichever podcasting platform you listen to, and then share it with your family, your friends, and the people who attend your church. And really, all this stuff is run by algorithms, so you doing those simple things really helps get the podcast into more ears. And remember, Your Church Friends Podcast is here to be a resource to you to help you understand God's Word in a more clear and personal way. All so that we can grow closer in our relationship with God. Don't forget to check out our website, yourchurchfriends.rocks. It currently takes you to all of our social media accounts and places where you can listen to each and every episode. Which Chris is finally forcing me to sit down and work on a lot of that stuff. So there's updates coming to the website, as well as a lot of other wonderful resources that we're working on together. The website is yourchurchfriends.rocks because, wait, what was it again? Oh, that was a long time ago. Oh, that's right, because we rocks. Lost deep in the pages of your Bible are the books that are unmentioned, unheard of, and unread. They are the forgotten books of the Bible. Welcome to your Church Friends Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Yurdush. So what book are you reading or read uh, that you think would be a good resource to our listeners? It's a good question. And you told me about this question before, and I we did. even talked about it. And I'm still <laughs> just like, what did I even tell you was my answer the last time that you asked me? Um, well, I remember the text was the Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, figure, read that one. Figure it out. It's all in there. Um, no, the last book that I read completely cover to cover was Carrie Newhoff's At Your Best which we did that as a staff, which I might have referenced it because we've kind of taken it chapter, chapter by chapter as a staff. It's good. I mean, it's a lot of standard how to plan your day in your life kind of thing and just, hey, put it on the calendar so it gets done. But his uniqueness is he brings in energy levels. So he kind of says that you have a green zone, a yellow zone, a red zone, and that each of us are different as far as, you know, when are you at your best? So he's saying figure out when that is and then do your most important work when you're at your best. And then emails and whatnot, just save that for the red zone or working out if you don't really care about it. If it's just stuff that like you know that you got to get done. Um, uniqueness in that also is like make sure that you're not just like, oh, yeah, all my green zone. I'm giving that to my work. Give some of that to your family. Right? That <laughs> you, makes sense. You don't yeah. just want to be giving them all the red. And it's like, well, I'm glad that you tapped out at work and just give us the leftover. So that was the last book cover to cover. But yeah, I think what I was telling you last time is that the way that I read books is I'm just so much more topical and wanting to find things out. So I use Logos, the Bible program, for a lot of things. I've got a bunch of stuff on Kindle, and I'll just go in and read chapters or part of chapters that relate. I know recently we've been talking about like baptism, right? So I'll, yeah. I'll go out and buy you know various resources, or just go through my Logos library and see what's in there. And I couldn't tell you what book I'm reading. <laughs> I I just read through them and I open them all up. I have like 50 tabs open, and I'll go through, and then I'll just rip stuff and throw it into a document and just kind of take notes that way. I don't know where it comes from. 
It's books. Yes. You're reading books. Yes. Yeah. For me, it was A Shepherd's Guide to Psalms 23 by Philip Keller. And uh, I really enjoyed reading that book. I, I did use it when I spoke on Psalms 23 because it's just a great resource. Uh, I really like the idea that it's like he's not breaking it down like what's the Greek word or the Hebrew word or this or that, you know, like kind of like a scholarly approach from it. It's more of a, I was a shepherd for many, many years. And then I read that verse and it became life to me. Like I understood it because I lived my life the same manner of approaching this book. Um, and it just had so many wonderful things. Uh, one that I really liked uh, was it talked about the rod and the staff, comfort and guide me. And he talked about the rod and the staff being God's word and the Holy Spirit. So those things guiding and directing me and stuff like that. Uh, and then another one was uh, uh, he, he anoints my head with oil. Mm-hmm. And he just broke it down to like, we have to put oil on our sheep's heads because if not, uh, they're going to get a bunch of parasites and bugs and that's going to eat them alive. Uh, so I thought it was super cool just from the practical side of like, hey, I'm a shepherd. I read this verse. Let me tell you what David was saying as because he was a shepherd. Yeah, and we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about like, oh man, developing discipleship materials and just how much of stuff that's in the Bible that is so foreign to us in modern Western worlds that to, hey, you really want to learn something about spiritual growth? Go plant a seed. Yeah. And like you're saying, like you don't really need to know the Greek or the Hebrew behind that. It's go plant a seed and see if you can bring it to fruitfulness and see everything that's involved there. Now, every time that that's brought up in the Bible, you'll get it. Yeah, yeah. We garden at the at our house, and that really again, it's something. The practical side of doing it sometimes does bring what the word is saying to life. Like you just kind of see it in a different way. You get it. I think one of the examples you used, and I thought it was fantastic, was uh, wear white. Well, yeah, I'm wearing like pretty much all white right now. I don't have white pants, but these are the lightest jeans that I own. (laughs) But it's like wear white and see how well you could do with keeping that clean, like for a whole month or something. And, and that was really a good point to me because I, uh, I love wearing white, but my two kids prevent me from wearing white. So uh, I actually have a story. So we went to San Diego during like, uh, I want to say towards the middle or of the beginning of the pandemic, like 2020 July or something like that. And we stopped by our favorite pizza place down there, Luigi's Pizza. And we got pizza and we took it to Balboa Park and we're sitting out there enjoying it. Uh, but I sit down to realize that I'm wearing a white t-shirt while eating pizza with my two children. And so for myself, like I got the barbecue chicken. So I'm like eating it very gently because the worst thing that's going to happen is barbecue dripping down from my face onto my white t-shirt. So I'm being really careful and methodical of how I eat. And both Remy and Reed are just like chewing and like flaming their or, or flapping their pizza around everywhere swinging it left and right and they're like getting it close to my shirt and I'm just like at this moment having a nightmare of like you fools are gonna get me dirty and I basically got up to go eat somewhere else because I was like I can't be around you but that's exactly the point of even why I've been doing it. I've been doing it for like a few weeks now of just wearing I have white shoes I wear white shirts and sweatshirts and whatnot I'm even wearing a white hat today but Part of within that is the same thing when when you have something that's white and you're trying to keep it pure, how much even a little fleck of something yeah. is is an annoyance. But then I, that's happened to me where I'm like, oh man, I got something. But part of what I'm doing as well is, well, how do I keep it white? 
So mm -hmm. I'm immediately tending to that thing rather than letting it stay. And then I'm also learning some things like, well, my white shoes, those are getting the dirtiest. And I realized that like in life, as I go places, like it's in the going that things get dirty. So it's just like, mm. that's the part that I need to tend to. Or even I've got Silas, he's eight months, right? And just looking that when you're dealing with people who are immature or like you're at a different stage in life and you're dealing with them, it's just like, he's just messy. And just when yeah. you go and deal with messy people, then it increases the likelihood of you getting something on you and just, you know, I still need to tend to my child. I'm not gonna, I'm wearing white. Sorry, kid. But mm -hmm. yeah, just things that are in it. I won't take too much time because we got to get into no, it's, second and third job. Yeah. But we could do an episode take on Take the opportunities in your life to just put things like that in there. Right? Yeah. You're going to go through your life. It's like use practical things to allow God to be able to teach you stuff. Like it doesn't all have to be boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be all reading and studying. It doesn't have to be this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but if it is, share it with friends because. You know, the algorithms, the algorithms, <laughs> dirty algorithms. Yes. <laughs> you dirty algorithms. <laughs> so just two resources we wanted to share with you guys. Carrie Newhoff's At Your Best and uh, a Shepherd's Guide to Psalms 23 by Philip Keller. Not Timothy Keller, because that's a different yeah, shepherd a in a different place. that's a different Keller. Um, <laughs> a whole different Keller. But yes, Philip Keller. Uh, two great resources for you guys. And then go out and do our little experiments. Have fun with it. Second and third John. I'm going to split them. I think it's the easiest way to tackle it. Yeah, let's do second and then third. Yeah, we'll like, If anything crosses over, because it's just John and he's kind of him, but yeah, let's get into it. All right. What do you got? I think that you brought up uh, last time just how often he talks about truth. Yeah. Right? And just for me, um, looking at this from a, all right, well, how do I live this out? Well, what should I take from this to really carry out into my life? And looking at that thing of truth but truth tied to love. And you had a good quote on that, right? With truth and love. Was that in this last episode? Or I know that you've said it before. It just it basically a, you break down a, truth without love and love without truth. That was a Timothy Keller one. Um, truth without love is uh, acceptance or something like that. And then love without truth is uh, whatever. It's just one is harsh and one is like just acceptance. But you need the balance of both. Listener, go binge our episodes and let us know. <laughs> it was somewhere <laughs> no. in the beginning. Yeah. It was Sermon on the Mount, episodes one through five. But just in looking at that, like truth and love are both important, but really where they both come together for me is in verse six. He says, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the very commandment that you've heard from the beginning, that you must walk in love. So walking in love is the same as walking in his commandments, but his commandments are also, in my perception of things, the highest form of truth that you can find. Because if God is commanding you, something is, same thing as commandments and his promises, is that God is revealing something about reality and how we should navigate it, which makes it the ultimate form of truth. That makes sense to yeah. you? Yeah. So when I'm looking at these two things coming together, it's like, how can I live most in reality and also the most loving while doing so and it really comes down to just following his commandments mm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it at that point it's not oh man what's god's rule book or what am i breaking or what am i failing or you know give me the whole list and it's like you're just learning how to walk in reality the way that jesus did yeah when i look at it i really think uh second john um it really emphasizes 
truth, love, and obedience, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think starting off at truth is the important part because that's where he starts off at. The letters like, uh, to the elder, to the chosen lady by God, to her children whom I love in the truth once, and not only I, but also all who know the truth too, uh, because the truth, three, which lives in us will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth for and love it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, five, just as Jesus commanded. Four verses, five times, truth, 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 truth. And he's hitting uh, a consistent nail on the head. And I, and I was thinking about this because uh, uh, we were talking about like when it was written, who re- wrote it, and all that other stuff in the last episode, the fun stuff we get to do. Um, and now from the practical side, if I'm looking at it, it, it feels written by John, 90 AD. Uh, by that point... Uh, even if it was a little earlier, that's enough time for false teachers to start getting inside of the church, mm-hmm. right? And now the challenge is, who is Jesus? Uh, and they're challenging who Jesus is, what he taught, and everything that happened within his ministry and life. And that is now causing divisions amongst churches and congregations. And some are just leaving the faith uh, completely. Uh, you look at Second John 1, 7. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the Antichrist. So this is what John's battling against. And a lot of these little letters that we're reading, you're hearing that, right? The false teachers, people who don't believe this and don't believe that. But the truth has to stand at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because it, you, you, yeah, because if you're going to be obedient to something... You got to know what it stands for. Right. Yeah. Because somebody can present anything. Like, mm-hmm. Here's the way that we got to go. And you can go and it can even seem loving or can be, seem whatever. But if it's not the truth of the matter... And you could, well-meaning, you know, with all the best intentions, but really to solidify that in the truth, I'm with you. Yeah, so the false teachers, I just have like three lies every Christian should run from. Uh, A different Jesus is number one, a different truth, Uh, and I like the way Isaiah says this. It says, uh, woe to those who call evil good and good evil and put Mm -hmm. darkness for light and light for darkness, uh, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So just anything that's a different truth, I think Isaiah sums it up there. And then a deeper message, you know, that, oh, you need to know this level of knowledge to really have an understanding of who Jesus is. Right. And that's really where more the Gnosticism type thing. Yeah. I think we talked about Gnosticism goes way deeper as far as Yahweh being a demigod and all the stuff. But that um, almost there's another level that you need to get and then you'll reach enlightenment type of a deal. um, Diving into the secrets of it. Yeah. Which historically has just been proven so false and around the world to where you can have just people who know very little of the scriptures but are full of the spirit and you see them living together and you just go, yep, those are godly people. I think we had a, a missionary come to the church a few years ago from North or South Korea. North, yeah. Yeah, and it was like they have one page of the Bible. That's all they have. You know, they're, they're loving God for that one page of what they know. And of course, you know, throughout in the churches there, they're getting taught a little bit more. But like we have the whole thing. We have uh, wonderful places we could go to get different resources and stuff like that. But like sometimes it's the simplicity of knowing who just God is, and you can know him from one page of the Bible. Absolutely, because he's a living God. Right. So I don't think like, uh, I- I'm not saying that you don't do deep study or stuff like that, but if someone's coming around and saying like, this is the secret passage to uh, enlightenment or depth that these other you Christians don't have. Ever- like, if they're just like, hey, you can't possibly have a relationship with mm-hmm. God without this. It's like, no, 
Jesus blew that door right. open. I, I like the way he said that. Boldly to God and uh, with no man in between. Yeah, I really like the way he said that. That uh, if anyone says you can't have a relationship with God without this, um, check them. Uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, so we're gonna cover the Didache, but I was reading it uh, and it had a section on false teachers. Man, I wish I would have brought my book. You're such a jerk. I told you last time that I was going to go over the Didache, and then oh, yeah. ever since then, you've just been like, I've been reading the Didache, I've been reading the Didache. Well, it's not like, long. It's a small little thing. All right, go make my point for me. <laughs> Did you read the part where it talks about a false teacher? It's like, if he stays two days, yeah. do you have it? That's what I was, yeah, I've got okay, to open go right ahead. here. Somebody comes prepared with resources, Chris. <laughs> I know that I joke all the time that it's just off the top of my head and I just show up, but uh, if anyone right. wants to go to the didicate.com, you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> It's another resource. We'll put yeah. it in the show notes. Um, yeah, that section it is section 11. And then also 12 and 13 talk about also the right way of teachers. But section 11 uh, says, Whosoever then comes and teaches you all these things aforesaid, receive him. So talking about the things that were already talked about. It says, But if the teacher himself be perverted and teach another doctrine to destroy these things, do not listen to him. But if his teaching before the increase of righteousness and knowledge of the Lord, receive him as the Lord. And concerning the apostles and prophets, act thus according to the ordinance of the gospel. Let every apostle who comes to you be received as the Lord. Then here's the part that you were referencing. So this is verse 5 of 11. But let him not stay more than one day, or if need be, a second as well. But if he stays three days, he's a false prophet. Yeah, it gets better. And when an apostle goes forth, let him accept nothing but bread till he reach his night's lodging. If he asks for money, he is a false prophet. Do not test or examine any prophet who is speaking in a spirit. For every sin shall be forgiven, but this sin shall not be forgiven. Um, so yeah, it goes on from there. Uh, let's see. No prophet who orders a meal in a spirit shall eat of it. Otherwise, he is a false prophet. I didn't really want to get into the thing about like, if he's doing something in a spirit, because that's a whole conversation yeah. I'm not trying to have right now. But you have that, like, hey, if he's staying with you for a long time, if he's asking for mm -hmm. money, if he's, like, supposedly acting in the power of the Spirit and he's asking you for food and then he's, like, eating it himself, it's just like, these are all signs that something isn't right with this guy. However, it is saying there's going to be people coming and you should invite them in as you would the Lord, right? So they're coming with the message of Jesus. So you should accept people who are coming, but he's giving these guidelines about what it could and should be looking like. Um, it's like the Jeff Foxworthy of... Uh false prophets. <laughs> yeah. If he's a false, he might be a false prophet if, and obviously Jeff Foxworthy started that off with something else. But yeah, that, I really did like the way it presented it. Uh, you know, it was testing them, looking at them and like, if they're doing this, if they're doing that, watch them. Now, here's the thing, because that was talking about like prophets coming and can seem like, oh, so there should be no pastor that is sticking around and asking for money or having anything like that happen, right? And I know that people can want to twist it, but that's where you get to section 12, saying, let everyone who comes in the name of the Lord be received. But when you've tested him, you shall know him, for you shall have understanding of true and false. If he who comes as a traveler, help him as much as you can, but he shouldn't remain with you more than two or three, three if needed. And if he wishes to settle among you and has a craft, let him work for his bread. But if he has no craft, provide for him according to your understanding, so that no man shall live among you in idleness because he's a Christian. And if he will not do so, he is making traffic of Christ. Beware of such. So yeah, it's like not everyone needs to be a traveling preacher, but if he's going to come and be part of the community there, he is not just a freeloader. 
you know, basically. Yeah, all that to go in the direction of then the truth. And, and I heard uh, Chris Brown say this in a message, and I thought it was really fantastic. He said, uh, truth isn't a what, but it's a who. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that here's what we need to understand, that uh, John now in his old age uh, wants us to know that the truth isn't a what. The truth isn't a thought, philosophy, a belief. The truth is a who. That John heard with his own ears, his eyes, and touched with his own hands. That truth is Jesus. It is. And then that even goes into Jesus is the truth. And then he sends his spirit of truth, which brings us to verse 2. says, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Right? So following straight with what you mm-hmm. were saying, that it's a who, but that's where Jesus is saying, hey, it's good for me to go. My spirit of truth is going to come and be able to teach you all things. So really, going back to that thing of God is alive, and when we're abiding in him and his spirit is abiding in us, then we can come to know what's true and what's false, and we can walk in that way. Um, So I think that's a really important thing, is that when we're talking about needing truth and needing love, really it's found in the power Mm -hmm. and the person of the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah, you can know things about the world that are true. Yeah, you can love on people and meet needs. But really where it comes together in the fullness of the Christian gospel is in the spirit life. Yeah. And what I really like about going and thinking about it this way is that if Jesus is the truth and the truth is Jesus, Mm -hmm. uh, just like Jesus never changes, the truth doesn't either. And a lot of times I think we're getting caught up with like uh, new truths or this truth or that truth. Or even personally, we could be like my truth or my view of Jesus is this, this and this. And so we distort the truth. We change it, and it's no longer the truth. Uh, I really think that kind of is why he comes in at verse 11, where it's uh, even to the point that if someone is claiming the truth to be anything else, we do not welcome them into our house. Uh, Because if we do, we now allow that their truth into our lives and not God's truth. And you brought that up in the last episode, how this is just like a harsh part of the verse. But now when I'm looking at it, I really get it because this isn't saying we don't allow non-believers into our homes because this isn't talking about non-believers. It's talking about people who knew the truth of God, but now want to distort it. Uh, This isn't saying that we uh, don't show love and concern for people who have some error in their viewpoints or um, some of their philosophies, just like Jude said. Remember when we were going over Jude where it said, snatch them out of the fire? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so what it really is saying is this is against those who blankly against God, the Antichrist, uh, those people don't encourage them or help them out in their propaganda. Me refusing that is defending God's word. And I think a lot of times uh, Christians want to think that the defense of God's word is words. Like if I say something to you, I'm defending God's word or maybe actions, protesting this and that. But for me, I think sometimes defending God's word is saying, I don't want that a part of my life. Kind of going back to the t-shirt, right? Yeah, when yeah. I was eating the like, pizza, I gotta get out of I've got to get out of here. They're going to defile my t-shirt with their yep. saucy fingers. Uh, so I really just loved how all of this ties in because it's really that, you know, uh, that Jesus is the truth. That can't change. We want to change it because sometimes we don't like his truth. Uh, sometimes we don't agree with what he says is true but that doesn't make it less true. And I read this in a quote, and I thought it was really cool, and then we could get into love and obedience, unless you have more on the truth. But it said, uh, we have to remember and be careful not to forget that fact, because it's very easy that today's heresy can become tomorrow's orthodox. Yeah, that kind of concept is, it's like I agree with it on a level, but I've shared with you, and I've probably said it on the show a few times, is that 
I don't think that the point of right now is to get everyone to believe the exact same doctrine mm-hmm. as far as a lot of the like extraneous things that are out there. Because just in my own personal study, I've seen that so much of what so many denominations across the board believe and teach about things aren't historically what the church has taught. And you know, they'll want to, as evangelicals or Protestants, like, well, that was like the Catholic church, or that was this, or that was that. I was just like, okay, what about the Orthodox church? Or what about the other early church groups that were there? So the reason why I'm saying that, like, I don't think that the point right now is to get everyone on board with the same doctrine in a lot of those areas, is that I don't think that many people are studied enough in what those things are. There's a lot of echo chambers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if we're just trying to be like, hey, what it is is that we just need to bring people into my understanding of what this thing is. I think there needs to be more discussion in finding out what the doctrine is. Like that's where, yeah, getting in and studying and like getting into these things and not being afraid of that. Because if there's anything about God is that when it comes to his doctrine, when it comes to his teaching, when it comes to the truth, he wants it to be found. But there's also that thing of, Jesus taught in parables because it needs to be dug into to understand, right? Some of it is treasure that you need to dig deeper into. So on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, we don't want to go into heresy, but I do think that we're at the point to, I think that across the board, there's a lot of biblical and doctrinal illiteracy. Yeah. And again, echo chambers is like, I think that the way forward is discussion and is in opening that up. And there will be a lot of people, depending on how uh, fundamental your church is, that's just like, nope, that's the devil. We can't do that. We can't talk about that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're, you're missing out then. Like, I don't know. That's all that I can say. Um, but there also is the thing about doctrine when it comes to a lifestyle. And I think that that's how you can tell, like, if you are moving in what's appropriate, is that you will be walking in love the way that Jesus did. Or even that thing that I read from the Didache, it's going to be something that's increasing righteousness in your life. So there are these markers that doctrine is something that's supposed to be guiding your life, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's like heresy? Like, that's going to throw you off, and you'll be able to see it, and other people will be able to see it in the way that you're treating others, especially in comparison to when you look at how Jesus lived. Right. And I think that, like that verse sums that up is like it's not talking about like um, denominational, doctrinal, somewhat differences. Mm-hmm. Like we should all see each other, no matter what denomination or non-denominational you are, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, what I really believe it's saying is people who are coming in to change the whole game, and what they were doing was changing who Jesus was. Right. That's why uh, the attack was uh, Jesus. Yeah, It was who Jesus is, because if you could change who Jesus is, then you could change what he says. And that's where it is. And, and to me, looking at even verse 4, uh, that term, walk in the truth, it just means like we live, walk in accordance to God's revelation in the gospel and by the standards contained in it. And uh, that's where we then can learn discernment, judgment, and have a conversation with someone who, and welcome them into our home, who like, oh, they believe this and that. I really don't. I don't see it that way. Let's talk about it mm-hmm. compared to someone coming in and being like, uh, Jesus and Satan are brothers. You know, like those are huge differences in the, in right. the spectrum. And it's like, don't, don't get yourself next to that because then that will contaminate you. I'm going to bring it up because I bring it up every time. And I know that you asked me for the song one time. I don't know if you ever posted it anywhere, but that, that Bizzle song. That oh, yeah, I yeah, saying, yeah. Whenever it comes to yeah. the lie and the truth. Because um, I feel like every time I'm half quoting it. So I pulled it up real quick. 
this is just a song where he's calling out like Jay-Z and all kinds of people and, and stuff. But he goes, I'm not trying to become the Illuminati rapper pointing out Masons. That's not what I rap for. Because half of you spent more time wrapped up in that stuff last week than you have in your Bible the last month. Study the lie. They can make new lies up. Study the truth and you'll know when the lie comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I like that last part. That's like my favorite part of it. Yeah. You know, study the truth and you'll know when the lie comes up. And that's really what John's saying here is if you're walking in the truth, you'll get it. And then that leads us to love and obedience. So verse 5 and 6, I think you read it already. Uh, so I'll just kind of mm-hmm. go through it real quick. Uh, the, and now, dear lady, I'm writing, you, uh, writing you not a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. And I think that part's so crucial. Like, this isn't new. Uh, and it even goes to, like, the time frame of when this letter was written. Uh, and I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his command. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. And the acceptance of the truth of Jesus involves active love. Uh, when love is absent, it is a sign that the truth has not been accepted. So in order for us to understand what love is, um, we do have to base it off of the truth. Like we have to start there, and then that leads us to what love is. Uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer says, Perception, knowledge, and truth without love are nothing. They are not the truth, for truth is God and God is love. Uh, therefore, truth without love is a lie. I just love that. The, we are to love one another to me when I look at that. Again, this is the basis of Christian living. Uh, we are the body of Christ, and we have to love one another. It does get into like love eventually other people, but he starts off with this is the command to love one another, love within the body. And to me, and I've said it so many times on our show, uh, that's where it has to start. Because if we can't love one another, how are we going to love anyone else? And, and this love, it doesn't end uh, because our ethnicity is different, our social status is different, our denominations are different, our political views are different, but it continues in the face of all that because we know who God is. God is love, so we love. That was a lot. And I think that within that, you, how you were saying earlier that, you know, finding that the truth and it needing to be in the truth and it needs to be in Jesus and a lot of times we might not like what Jesus lays out or what Jesus confirms that was laid out in other areas of scripture. I say it all the time that if Jesus had any problem with any area of the Old Testament, he had perfect opportunity to correct it and let yeah. us know about it. So it's just like I have a pretty good acceptance. He quoted from the Old Testament like he was he was fine with it. So things that got set up there he he was for. He obviously came to expound and bring it to its right spot. So when you look at what Jesus taught or what he agreed with, that a lot, especially in today's climate in the world, it doesn't seem agreeable to people. But a big message in the world is like, no, yeah, love. I'm all for that. We should love mm-hmm. each other. We should love each other. It's like, but what that love looks like. And I think that when you tie it into truth, but then that truth, again, being that increase in holiness and of righteousness, that it's not just the oh, I get to do whatever it is that my neighbor says is love to them and I will love them or whatever I say is love and I can love them, but it's going to be increasing righteousness across the board. Right. And that that does have like a moral standard that does bring into it the ideas of like some things are sinful and if something's sinful, you can't just stand there and be like, no, 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 that's love. We can get involved in that sin and like that's love, like whatever it is and you should just back up out of my business because we're loving and 
that might bring up like a certain example in somebody's head. I'm not thinking any certain example. I'm thinking like that's just generally what it is. Is like, I know I'm living my life. I'm loving people. I'm taking care of my family. I'm taking care of my neighbors. I'm loving them. I'll give to the poor. I'll, I'll give the stuff. I love people. But like there's a certain area that the Bible doesn't have a right to come into my life with the truth aspect. So yeah, just in that quote from Bonhoeffer is like, no, yeah, loving and having that all. I think that it's it all needs to be taken together. It all needs to be shaped together. Yeah, because there's a lie of love. Yeah. You know, like there's there's a way that we say we love, but it's not love and it's a lie. And I think that like yeah, that Bonhoeffer quote was like, no, truth without love is a lie. Mm-hmm. And it has to start there because the truth is important for us to love one another. Uh, Augustine, he once said, what does love look like? It is the hands to help others. It's the feet to hasten to the poor and the needy. It is the eyes to see misery and want. It is the ears to hear the sighs and the sorrows of men. Uh, this is what love looks like. And it's, you know, the idea there is that it's practical. Like you were saying, that love is practical. It's costly caring for the needy. Uh, it's even the, the being ready to sacrifice yourself for another person. You know, that's what John in his first epistle kind of laid it out, right? Like, this is love. Um, but yeah, by, by John's definition, uh, love goes deeper than sometimes what we think of it. You know, it goes. And to bring this, this idea of love and truth and just the centrality of it, and then even bringing it into the idea of false teachers, um, I was thinking about First Timothy. Uh, First Timothy, I'll pick it up in 1.3. It says, as I urge you on my departure to Macedonia, you should stay on Ephesus to instruct certain men not to teach false doctrines or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculation rather than the stewardship of God's work, which is by faith. Basically, I'm hearing him say, hey, Tim, you need to go like connect with all those guys on YouTube (laughs) 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 and like tell them they're just like way in the weeds on stuff. And then he brings it into the point in verse five. And this, I love this verse. The goal of our instruction is the love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience, and a sincere faith. Yeah. I love that that's the goal of the instruction. We're like, why do we have these commands? What's all this Bible? What's all the teachings? Like, the goal of it all is love, but not just love. Again, that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience. Again, that washing away and this walking away and turning away from sin coming in and a sincere faith to be following God that he's the way towards it all. And it goes on verse 6, Some have strayed from these ways and turned aside to empty talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not understand what they are saying or that which they so confidently assert. So when we're looking at that thing of, you might be a false teacher if, and just like, it's just a bunch of empty words and there's a lot of confidence in it. And they'll bring in a lot of, as he was saying, myths and genealogies and promoting speculation. Well, what about this? And what about that? And like, you have these people popping up on TikTok who's like, well, have you heard this about this? And that didn't even happen. I was like, Again, I think that it's healthy to be able to ask questions and to learn, but when that's all that somebody's wrapped up in and there's not that promotion, that instruction of love that's coming from a clear conscience, right? A pure heart and sincere faith. It's like, no, there's not a sincere faith in those people. Mm-hmm. And they're not worried about you having a pure heart and a clear conscience. So I, I bring those things in together as well that you got these false teachers that, you know, they're false, they're off and wherever they're at. But it's interesting there that... uh Timothy was being urged, hey, stay here and instruct these guys not to do that. So just even the difference between, I don't think it's always one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Like the goal even there is, hey, these guys need Jesus too. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I really, uh, when you're talking about that, the a thought that hit me was questions that bring confusion are unhealthy, but questions that seek the truth are the healthy ones. Like you're saying, it's okay to question, uh, but it's what are you seeking in your question? Right, 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 Is right. It, are you just are people coming in question? Like a false teacher will come into question to cause confusion, um, but someone who is really teaching God's word brings up a question to seek the truth. Uh, and, and I really loved it because in Paul there it had the word instruction, mm-hmm. and then here you know John equates love to obedience. And you were talking about it like this is kind of your favorite part of this book. And uh, the command is to love one another, and then the commands are the ten commandments, right? So we have uh, in the first four commandments of the ten we see how we are to love God. No other gods, uh, no idols, or worshiping them. Don't misuse God's name, which is way more than just thinking. Uh, I said God's name in an inappropriate way. It is, it's way deeper than that. Go read Leviticus from like, I think I want to say 15 to 20. And the, the wording used in my translation usually says profanes God's name. And there's a lot there to that. There is a book by a woman, Carmen Imes, called Bearing God's Name. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard of this book. It, yeah, she did the rounds on a lot of podcasts. I've read through it. It's very much about this, like taking God's name in vain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, read it. Yeah, because it's read it more, and then live it. <laughs> it. It's way more. Honestly, we could do like a whole episode on just that fact of misusing God's name is, is that. But anyways, keeping the Sabbath also was pretty important. And you even see that at the end of the Leviticus uh, law giving. But then the last six is uh, how we love others. So we then have honoring our parents. Uh, do not murder. Obviously, if you kill someone, that's not in love. Uh, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony and don't covet. Uh, so in doing the first four, uh, we can easily walk in love with the last part of it. So the first four, if we're loving God, that takes us into loving others very naturally. Now, I could hear some people saying, well, Chris, it's the Ten Commandments. We don't have to follow those. We don't have to obey those. If you're not one of those Old Testament following Christians, then I say, look at the Sermon on the Mount yeah. and go back and listen to uh, season one all 27 episodes, because we talked about the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and he amplifies them, right? So he says, if you call your brother a fool, now you're a murderer. If you look twice, that's lust. Uh, You got to let your your yes be yes, so that's don't lie. And then he amplified that more and he said, love your enemies. Uh, Don't worship stuff. When you fast, do it this way. Don't do it like that. When you're praying, pray to God alone. And why? Because what he's doing is he's amplifying those commandments and what Jesus is really doing is he, he's amplifying our obedience, which then if we look at what John's saying, that amplifies our love. So all of this is just amplified upon amplified, that, that walking in obedience helps us love other people, um, whether they're our enemies or the people we go to church with. That's a really complicated answer to <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Mine is real simple. I just look people in the face and say, all right. Which of these 10 do you not want to follow and why? Do you want to disrespect your parents? You want to go commit adultery? You want to have other gods than God? Like, what is it Mm -hmm. that, like, what's your problem with these? Like, I'm not trying to put anything on you, but, like, it's obviously revealing something in you. So, like, I'm with you as far as, like, yeah, Jesus, if you think this is a thing, have you read the Sermon on the Mount? I'm with you on all that, but 
really when people i really believe that god's laws are good his commands are good they promote good they promote righteousness so when people have problems with like oh you're being legalistic and trying to put something on me like whoa whoa, i get that we need to have grace everybody's human and we mess up but do you just not want to do this at all I, i got this uh from a commentary and i thought it was super cool it says the the relevance of the elders point is obvious in the modern situation where we are sometimes told all you need is love such advice is meaningless if the nature of love is not defined or unfolded love expresses itself in following the divine guidelines at the same time merely to keep the commands out of the sense of duty or fear of punishment is not true love love means obedience from the heart and a true concern for the good of others. And I really loved when I read that. This will be the simplest thing ever. It's two steps to live your life and walk in obedience, walk in truth, and walk in love. Uh, step one, uh, love God and obey God. Step two, uh, if I obey God, then I'll love others. You know, obey God leads, leads to loving others. So it's not like you're saying, yes, I gave a really complicated answer to the Ten Commandments. But it's loving others, and that's mm. what our goal should be. If, if we say we know him, uh, but we go out and live any way that we want, and we don't love or care, and we're not following his commands or anything like that, that proves that you really don't know him. That puts you in, gosh, is this too harsh to say? Uh, that puts you in antichrist category. Um, that's an interesting way of wording it. In the category of antichrist, that's a thing to be thought about, Judon, considered. <laughs> um, I know that we're talking about like going third John and maybe tying that stuff in and we're completely skipping over first John because first John gets all the love, but I'm going to go to first John because it it. goes along with what you were just saying. First John chapter two, verses three through eight. I'll go there. By this, we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If anyone says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. But if anyone keeps his word, The love of God has been truly perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to abide in him must walk as Jesus walked. Beloved, I am not writing to you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had from the beginning. This commandment is the message you have heard. Then again, I'm also writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and also in you. For the darkness is fading and the true light is already shining. I'm going to read a couple more. If anyone claims to be in the light but hates his brother, he's still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother remains in the light, and there is no cause of stumbling in him. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So, yeah, again, that's tying in the truth. It's tying in false following of the truth. I guess it's not really talking about teaching of the truth but also the love and the commandment. It's just all there. And just when you're talking about like, hey, if you're not doing these things, like that's kind of antichristness. John himself is like, you're a liar. You're in the darkness. You don't know God. Yeah. So thanks, John. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, John, for making it so clear. Clear. Uh, I I like this. Uh, Chris Brown, again, I'm quoting him a lot because I actually watched a message he gave on 2 John. And uh, it was just fantastic. But he I said, I know you're just trying to quote him a lot so you can get him back on the show. You're trying to edge me out of being the. <laughs> no, no. I just really. The dude's a phenomenal speaker. Um, and the way he presents the gospel is just so simple. Yeah. Uh, but he said, uh, Loving others doesn't stop at a border, 
a boundary, or a community. Loving others doesn't stop at someone's choice or lifestyle. Loving others doesn't stop at what they are doing presently or what they have done in the past. Loving others doesn't stop at Democrat or Republican. Loving others doesn't stop at whether they are legal or illegal. Loving others doesn't stop at whether they are gay, straight, homosexual, or heterosexual. Loving others doesn't stop at the amount of sin or the amount of wrong a person has done. So when can we stop loving others? I really just love the way he he put that because it's like we are never commanded to stop loving others. You know, this doesn't mean that I affirm or that uh, I, I believe their lifestyle or whatever it is, but it just means that I love. And I, I think we've said this before, but like, it's just this idea that like non-Christians uh, who are out there pushing their agendas or whatever, they're not the enemy. And uh, we're not supposed to really separate or isolate ourselves from them. You know, you clearly don't see Jesus doing that, uh, but they're victims of our enemy. And our job is to go to the work of Jesus and get them out and rescue them for, from their captivity. And I remembered we had a, a guest speaker at the church recently who talked about Abraham going to rescue Lot. Uh, so if you want, go back and read that in Genesis 14. But uh, what I really got out of it was like, in the story was like, Abraham was, was God, and then there's his soldiers, his fighting men. Uh, they're the church. There's about 318 of them. Uh, Lot was the lost, and, and God wanted to go out and rescue and redeem them. And that was the mission, right? Rescue, rescue Lot. Uh, and I found this really something to think about, and it hit me, was that if we have people in our life that we can't love, uh, don't ask for the Holy Spirit in your life, because that's His purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's John 2 to me. You know, I know that's John 1, but John 2 just like, in this short, brief summary, just like says, hey, let's make love bigger. It's obedience, but it starts at the truth. Yeah, I guess my ending thoughts, which I thought that I already had ending thoughts, but based off of what you were just saying about that quote from Chris Brown and really looking at that is scripture tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies to God, not having done anything of our own to please him or to seek after him, he came and sought after us. And if we're saying that we have the spirit of Christ in us, that we are loving people, that we're walking in the truth, then to look at somebody who is still a sinner, who is opposed to God, and not have the mindset, I would die for them to have a relationship with God. Yeah. Because that's what the early martyrs did, Mm -hmm. is that they went to their death proclaiming the gospel, because to them, for people to receive this good news, and the chance, and the opportunity, and the reality that people were, they went, yeah, I know where I'm going. I know the promise, but this person doesn't have it yet. So yeah, if somebody's sin is offending you so much that you're just condemning them to hell, but you're not willing to love on them, go read the Gospels. And what a contrast, right? We talked about John being, you know, the Thunder Brothers mm-hmm. uh, and him being one half of them. What a contrast of the guy who said, Lord, they're not part of us. Should we call fire down from heaven? Right. To, it's love. Love people. Don't affirm what they're doing, but that doesn't mean you stop loving. Love is what's going to break our hearts to want them to be part of what we have. Love is going to make us go out there and say, uh, you're a prisoner of war. Let me go out and rescue you and uh, bring you into the family of God. Uh, Love is going to go out there 
and say, um, I can set aside what our differences are just to make sure you have a relationship with God, um, a true one, but love's also going to go out in truth. Mm-hmm. Love's also going to go out in obedience. Um, yeah, we're at like 50 minutes and I've got 10 minutes to get the kids. So we might have to do John 3 on its own. Fancy. Fancy. John 3 gets its own thing too. Um, but yeah, I, I just really, there's so much in John chapter 2. I know people are like, 13 verses? Is that what it is? 13 verses. And it, there's just so much John's hitting at. And I really, to me, like you were saying, that verse 6, that that hit the nail for me was uh, love is obedience. And I talk to the kids that way. Like, you know, if I if I if you love me, it's not going to be what you say to me or what you give me. Uh, if you love me, you're going to listen to me. And really that has been driven home to myself personally of like, if I love God, it's not going to be what I could offer him because clearly I can't offer him anything. It's going to be doing what he asked me to do and being obedient to him. Yeah. So all that said, I think that we can kind of almost come along what John was ending up in verse 12. He says, I have many things to write to you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I would prefer not to do so with paper and ink. So I want to come speak to you face to face, which, yeah, there's much more to be said. And I want to be able to give third John. Yeah. Third John. Three John. Three John. Yeah. Three John one. Yeah. Three John one. (laughs) Uh, It's appropriate time because that is a fantastic book in its own right. And I also like that we're just able to do that. Yeah. It's (laughs) it's like, hey, let's just do it again. Like, oh, we're just making that decision right now as it's happening. Yes, we are. Yep. So if you're sticking with us, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Let me, let me end it with this D.L. Moodley quote. Uh, If we have the true love of God shed abroad in our hearts, we will show it in our lives. We will not have to go up and down the earth proclaiming it. We will show it in everything we say and do. And I think that's a good way to wrap this one up. So I am Chris. I'm Yordle. We are your church friends. Thank you for listening. Jude, Jude. Philemon, Philemon. Haggai, Amos.